welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant podcast. For the next several weeks, specifically every Thursday in December, we are going to be doing something very special. Me, Michael, and a rotating cast of guests are going to talk about our favorite Christmas hymns. We're going to go into detail about the history of the hymn and also some of the theological and historical things behind the hymn so you can better engage with it this Christmas season. So often these songs get relegated just to the last month of the year, but there is so much theological depth and so much theological truth in these songs that we just wanted to expose them, dissect them, and talk about them. And so today, Sean, Michael, and myself discuss O Come All Ye Faithful, which is a hymn written by many people over the course of many years. It's in the public domain now, and we talk about the theological things behind the song, like coming and adoring Jesus, singing, angels singing specifically, the theology in the verse that we never sing, and, and things like that. So it's a real treat this week because we have Michael in full force just talking about the theological depth behind this worship song. We have Sean talking about all the theological richness, me just kind of helping facilitate the conversation. This is a very fun episode. The intro is insane. We talk about Honda Days versus Toyotathon. We talk about our favorite Hallmark movies, and we talk about how early one can reasonably celebrate Christmas. So if that sounds like something that you want to listen to, this will be the episode for you. And next week we are going to be talking about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So if you want to get into it, keep listening to that song, start listening, taking notes, and see if we end up talking about some of your favorite parts of the song. But this episode is meant to be an invitation for you to step deeper into the reality of Christmas, which is that our God came to us in flesh. What a beautiful reality, and we'll talk about it in this episode, but man, that is a happy, happy reality, and that is some very good news, and it is good news that it is Christmas time, so Merry Christmas to you and to yours from us here at the Coastline Covenant Podcast, and we will see you next week, every single week after that. Well, speaking of actual episodes, we're actually doing an episode. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Advent. Thank you, Hunter. Merry <laughs> Christmas to you, too. Are you guys? I'm with Happy Honda Days. Happy Honda Days. I it's I'm a we're a Honda Days family. I know some people celebrate Toyotathon. I don't want to get in the middle of that. I'm not here to start a war on car Christmas. This is just <laughs> who we are. We are a Honda Days church. Happy Honda Days. Anyway, I digress. I'm with Michael from the owner of a 2007 Civic, two door coupe. <laughs> Happy Honda Days. It's a rare car. You don't see a lot of two door Civics out there. No, no, it's not very desirable or respected. I get cut off in that car more than anybody you more than you could ever imagine i bought that car thinking that i was going to hand it down to my kids no chance but i know because they will die in it it will be their coffin we'll just bury them in that car because they will run it someone will run into them because nobody respects a 2007 civic try the the honda insight 2011 which is the the budget prius <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've got buddy <laughs> is that what you drive i drive a 2011 Honda Insight, the so budget Prius. Two Honda days and one Toyotathon here. I I, yeah, I do. I, I'm a Prius, and my wife also drives a Toyota. But we are a Honda days family. I just find that it aligns more with my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Honda days. Like if, I don't know. I mean, we can seriously talk about this oh another gosh. time. But I wanted to jump on. Say Merry Christmas to you guys. Are you guys Christmas fans? I want to do 25 minutes on this right now. There's I'm so many jokes. Pull. This is a serious operation. <laughs> oh, this is what happens when we don't let Garrick on a podcast. We just <laughs> lose it completely. When Garrick preaches and he doesn't want to be on the podcast, it turns into like it turns into just chaotic pretty fast. Yeah, we we choose oh, violence on the podcast when Garrick's not around. <laughs> 
but when he is, we are serious. Those are the episodes to send your friends. <laughs> I know. Oh. Wow. My anyway, face already hurts. Yes, I really have a question though. Are yeah. you guys Christmas fans? The answer is yes. Can you imagine if the answer was no to that? I feel like you're not a Christmas fan. <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, I'm. You kind of, Michael. I, I I don't actually don't know what you're saying, Hunter. <laughs> I feel. I just kind of feel like you. I don't. I I think the rigmarole of like, oh, it's all the lights and the sounds and the music. Maybe you don't like. I like it. Okay, I'm, I'm, a, wrong. I'm a big fan of Christmas. I'm happy to be wrong. Well, well, maybe being like a casual participant in it. You're not like, a Scrooge. No, like I really like. Here's like Melinda watched a Hallmark movie last night. Mm, which one? Uh, you, me, and the Christmas tree. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it is. It's a story about a guy who owns a Christmas tree farm. No. Yes, and <laughs> the Christmas trees get diseased. Okay. And so okay. he has to bring in like an arborist to come in and look in the trees, and they fall in love. What about the trees? Are the trees just... I don't know. I didn't See, here's the thing. I want it on in the room because it makes me feel like Christmas, it's but just, I'm not watching one second of it because it's annoying. So maybe that's the tension you're feeling from me is uh-huh. I want to celebrate Christmas, but personal participation in some of those things, mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a favorite Hallmark Christmas movie or like one of the bad ones that comes to mind? I've never watched more than five minutes consecutively mm-hmm. in it, honestly. Michael? Um... Honestly, like I, I like almost all things Christmas, yeah. even the most cheesy of yeah. the cheesy. You know, like I, I'm a I'm a fan of like the Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a oh, fan that's not of, cheesy. I'd say that's that's fairly iconic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. What, give me an example of some cheesy stuff. Well, I just watched the Christmas edition, which is about a journalist in San Diego who loses her job as editor in chief of a newspaper in San Diego, and she sees that. A uh, newspaper in Juneau, Alaska, just will take anybody to be their editor-in-chief. So she flies up to <laughs> Juneau, and she starts making some moves at this newspaper, but the town doesn't really ready read it. newspapers. They just really love Christmas. And so she decides to make a newspaper every single day during Christmas called the Christmas Edition. Well, the owner of the newspaper had died, but his son, who's the local glass blower, <laughs> they fall in love <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but the big bad newspaper conglomerate comes and tries to buy the paper and she and you know love wins and they get a newspaper in the end. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that one was bad. Really bad. But you, you literally know every detail from it. So I think that you Hunter would mm-hmm. be a huge fan of Christmas. I'm a giant Christmas fan. I am a nut for Christmas. I go absolutely bananas this time of year. I have to temper myself, though, because when people have the conversation, how early is too early? I'm always like, I mean, you said this on Sunday. I walked in the office on November 1st playing Mariah Carey. I was like, it's, it is time. Yeah. We got through spooky season. Now it's time for Christmas. Hunter, here, here's how I feel about this. This is important. This is, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I really think that our, our people are going to want to weigh in on this. Okay. Yeah. Now here's the deal. We've got we've got our people like the hunters who just Christmas just wants to bulldoze the heck out of <laughs> Thanksgiving. Okay? Oh yeah. Well, that's that's the hunters of the world. Then there's those like me who love Christmas mm-hmm. so much so that I want to savor every single day of Christmas and not let it be until after Thanksgiving. So when do you start celebrating? Black Friday. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's that's reasonable. Black Friday is Christmas Day for me. It's the day we go chop down our tree. Oh yeah. It's the day we start playing Christmas songs all day long, and it's it is just it's the day that we fully embrace. And for me, it's one of those things where you temper your temp, temper yourself through Thanksgiving, and you just enjoy the thankfulness of Thanksgiving and turkeys, and then you just go full force 
all throughout the end of things or the end of November into December. You're not wrong, but you're not right. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Does, do you, you're tracking with me? A real fasting and gluttony situation. Over yeah, there. it's feast you know, or famine with me f- <laughs> in everything. <laughs> you don't do anything really no, like halfway. Not a chance. No. I, yeah, I just don't understand why you would wait until like you're knee deep into November. Like, let's just get it going. It's what you want anyway. And the Bible says a lot about giving yourself what you want, right? That's the whole thing. Uh, that, I, I, I'm thinking do I have that wrong? Verse. You probably do. I feel anyway. like we need a poll. We need a poll of our people to okay. know. To, I'll make to, a poll. To the show notes. This. I'll make a poll. You can easily make poll in show notes. Thanks to our sponsor, Anchor FM. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we are not selling ad space on the podcast. Yet. Yet. Sean's got dollar signs in his eyes. You are real Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> The ghost Oven fresh donuts downstairs. If they want to buy some space, oh I would gosh. gladly sell them. I would some. give it to them for free. For some Here's donuts. some free ad space. Go yeah. to all of the businesses under us, yeah. specifically the taqueria and the donut shop. The taqueria, do you remember? La Supremax? Supremax, yeah. Boy, we're doing their work for them. We're just giving away advertising right now. Real Christmas spirit on this podcast. If well, you, let me tell you. If you came to the Coastline housewarming party, you had their tacos, mm-hmm. and we had to keep getting them. People were just devouring them. I think them. we ordered about 400 tacos by the end of the oh, what They really don't need our, our help. When you walk in there, the lady's like, hey, I'm going to sell you a churro, and I'm going to sell you a tamale, <laughs> and literally everything on the menu, by the time you leave, you're like, I, I wasn't planning on this. I know. But you got everything. Shout Thanks. out, Laura. Shout out, Laura. Laura's great. Laura, I don't mean to dox her, but she does drive an Escalade. <laughs> and it's cool. I see her can do her escalate. I'm like, that's cool. What is this podcast about? We are just it's about rolling right now. Christmas. Christmas. I'm just sorry. friendship. This it's is just a bunch of friends hanging out talking about Which Christmas. is what every podcast usually is. Yeah. Anyway, um, we are here to talk about Christmas. Uh, as you know from the intro of this episode, every single Thursday in December, we are dropping a podcast and it is about Christmas songs, specifically Christmas hymns that we're familiar with that we know and songs that we really resonate with this time of year. And I'm really excited because I really love researching and I really like doing deep dives, but I also really like seeing, you know, the inspiration behind things. And all of these Christmas hymns are inspired by some specific texts that we know, but also really obscure kind of traditional things that we maybe have forgotten about. And so the the next four weeks, we're going to look at different Christmas songs, different Christmas hymns, and look at the story behind them and the theology behind them. So it will help us just enter into a deeper reality of Christmas. So this week we're doing O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, Sean, what is your relationship to this song? You know, I think of, um, I think it's Nat King Cole. That is like the definitive version version. of it. Um, That is what I think of. Uh, So, I mean, I love the traditional songs. Yeah. Most, like all my Christmas playlists are usually these kind of traditional versions of these songs. Mm -hmm. So, big fan. What about you, Michael? Yeah, this this song... um, yeah, it's you've, it's got that traditional vibe, um, but I I actually love this song so much because it's it's actually a worship song. Oh yeah, it's all about adoration. It's all about praise and giving God glory. Um, and so what I I've loved is actually throughout the years there have been times I've been led in worship by other worship leaders who will just go right into this song even when it's not Christmas right. time. Right, I've heard that um, too. And just start singing. You know the come let us adore him and worship him. And so I just love that it's it feels to me like it's it's a marriage, it's the beautiful marriage between a worship song like a modern worship prayer song to and a carol. 
So yeah, I love that about it. Yeah, I mean, as the worship leader, and Michael and I are going to be running all these episodes, which I'm really excited about. So, Michael, I have a question for you. What is the line between like Carol and Christmas like song? Like kind of what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't. Depending on the song, there's no difference. There is mm. no line. I think it's depending on the song. It's the same thing. You know, you we're we're gonna get there in a couple weeks. But songs like "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," right? right. That song is just filled with great theology for the church Mm -hmm. it's my favorite worship song just period my favorite yeah yeah it slays me just an amazing song right um an amazing hymn in and of Mm -hmm. itself and yet also like very much a christmas song and very Mm -hmm. much a carol that would be sung by choirs and you know um you know quad you know people that are going up door to door singing yeah you know so it's 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 definitely sometimes there is no line Right. And yet I think that there's also songs like Jingle Bells mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's very much a uh I don't even know if a carol's the right I guess a carol. Yeah, you call it a carol I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very much like a colloquial just it's a song happy it's just go like lucky song. lives in the zeitgeist and mm-hmm. we just associate it with Christmas. And I think that's actually a reflection I've had this season in particular of like Christmas is one of the only times of year where like the church and the culture meet in a really interesting way. And I think 95% of it is through songs. Oh, Holy Night, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Joy to the World, Hark the Herald Angels yeah. Sing. Like all of these songs exist like in Charlie Brown or in Love Actually. And these are things that people just watch casually, but there is a deeper meaning behind them. And I think that's really fascinating because I think a huge pushback on the Christmas season is kind of like the consumerism and the desire to have more, but they're I think everybody's kind of searching for that deeper meaning of mm-hmm. Christmas. And I think it's kind of permeated in a lot of things. That was just something I was thinking about kind of well, as you said it. That's totally interesting that it's a place where the sacred and the secular still exi- exist yeah. in some way. Yeah. Um, even probably if the secular world doesn't really understand no. a lot of the meaning in the no. songs, they still know them. And that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. You can't really have like a Christmas anywhere a christmas party or a christmas dinner at any you know it could be your non-christian friend's house or your mm-hmm. christian's friend's house like it's going to be the same playlist yeah you're probably right well you've got like the songs like you've got the the artists out there that are singing songs like santa baby or all i want for christmas is you my favorite worship songs biggest chart topper of all time simply having a wonderful christmas time yeah <laughs> Chestnuts roasting on a city sidewalks. (laughs) So that being said, you've got those like artists that are singing those kind of songs. But then I feel like what I always get surprised by are the the people like the Pentatonics who. Oh yeah. I think I'm almost positive that some of those members are are Christians, Mm -hmm. but they are definitely not a Christian band or a Christian group, and yet you hear them singing songs like "Silent Night," you know, or. Um, oh, come all you faithful. <laughs> um, Mary, did oh, you know? Or Oh, Holy Night. Yeah. Right? Mary, did you know? <laughs> that, no, the, the, I mean, Dude. that song is not like abundantly Christian, but it's a. I think that song has a, a good message, and I think it's a pretty interesting. I think Mary is like probably the second most. Song's a lightning rod. People love that song or hate that That's song. That's really, no I've middle never ground. Met, I've never I don't really met understand someone it. with a strong opinion about that song. You, you've never met anybody with that? With a strong opinion oh, about it. Oh, ask Andrew Ferris I think everyone's it. got a strong opinion Andrew about Ferris, it. Well, and Andrew, ask, and ask on Mary Beth soon. on the other side. They're both going to be on the podcast. <laughs> ask them both about how they felt about Mary Did You Know. Okay, I will. You're going to get the polar extremes of that song. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you. I was, I was actually sitting in the car thinking like when they say um, – um, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the the lips of God or whatever it is, like. And I was sitting there thinking, like, 
they're they're right now proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's what this band is saying, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not, which I just mm-hmm. found profound. Mm-hmm. It is profound. And it's it kind of what you're saying, Sean. Like Christmas is a time where the sacred and secular meet, but is that not just like the literal you know, spark note version of the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Like you have God in the flesh in a manger, secular, sacred. It, it's really, really fascinating. And I think yeah, that this season good. is deeper and more profound. And I think songs like, Oh, come all you faithful, hark the hail angels sing, things like that, like really invite us into that. And so, um, we'll talk a little bit about the history of the song after, but what we're going to do now is we're going to listen to it and mm-hmm. we'll actually play it for you on the podcast. Cause all these songs exist in the public domain. So don't sue me, Chris Tomlin. Um, <laughs> and if you sue me, just remember you have a lot more money than we do. You don't need it. <laughs> Please don't sue me, Chris Tomlin. You don't need it. That should be the title. Are of the we episode. doing the Chris Tomlin version? I think so. Do you have any other strong feelings? Well, I was listening to the Lauren Daigle version, which, which is good. And she's like, great, but man, there is a, like a New Orleans jazz trumpet solo yeah, in it. That is that. hilarious. It, I like the Chris Tomlin version. He has a Christmas record. Um, it came out a couple years ago. It's red. That's the only thing I can remember about it. And it's really Taylor's re- version. Not Taylor's <laughs> version. Red, Chris's version. It. It's not called red. It's called, I think glory in the Chris's highest. version. Chris's version. Yeah. I think it's called glory in the highest. And it's really, really good. The, the, um, the, the versions of the songs on there I've always really liked. So I think we're going to listen to that one and we'll play it for you here on the podcast. And then we'll talk about it afterwards, kind of reflect upon it and answer some questions. So hope you enjoy. Was it a hook? A I almost said Hark the Herald Angels sing because <laughs> we keep talking about it. 22. <laughs> Please enjoy All Too Well, the 10 minute version, Chris's version. Just kidding. Oh, come all you faithful. Oh, come
great song. What'd you guys think? It's funny how even like when you're sitting, we're in your office right now, Hunter, recording this. You know, we're not in a sanctuary. We're not in a worship center. Like you still feel it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure even as you guys are, if, if you, as you're listening to this podcast, whatever you're doing, if you slow down and listen to it, the lyrics are just powerful enough that it still pulls you in. Um, probably regardless of the context of, of wherever you're listening right now. Yeah, you feel the power. No question. Yeah. That version's powerful too. I do really like that version. Michael, what are your thoughts as a worship leader, that version? Is that something you'd play, the version that he made? or I have played that version so many <laughs> times. Yeah. yeah, this album actually, um, as a Christmas album, is wonderful for the church. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I just can't get enough of that that final we'll praise your name forever mm-hmm. section. Um, it's it's like this future looking um, the, it's it's almost taking us from Christmas and the the first coming to the second coming. Yeah, which I just love and and it's just powerful. We'll praise his name forever. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of looking forward to there's going to be another Christmas, mm-hmm. right? Like another mm-hmm. kind oh, of Christ yeah. coming back to earth. Yeah. Um, I wonder what that Christmas season will be like. Yeah. And that the third, I don't know if it's the third verse or chorus, whatever we're going to call call it, but yea, Lord, we greet thee, born yeah. this happy morning. Jesus to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. Man, that mm-hmm. is, that's a bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It, these Christmas songs and hymns in general, and, and I have my thoughts on hymns or whatever, but like the, the way that it's so succinct but it's paired with such like complex music. Mm-hmm. Behind. It just really is shocking to then learn 10,000 Reasons or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, any other worship song, same key, same four chords, mm-hmm. and, and it's been simplified, and I just think that's kind of where we're at as a church culture. But like this song, I was looking at the sheet music, which I can't read sheet music, but the people were like highlighting it and, you know, doing annotations of like, this is very weird. This is very unique. You don't see this in music from this time. Yeah, And it's like, oh, they were really trying to make it so this song was memorable and not only the message and the words but the music behind it as well so well, I th- and i think that's what's interesting because i would compare this like a comparable song to this would be hark the herald angels sing right. right the difference is hark the herald angels sing has more rich theological language i yes. think but the musical arrangement is so fast hark the herald angels sing yeah. glory to like you go past those lyrics so quickly right. where oh come all you faithful has a pace to it where the music yeah. You can live in the words a little bit more. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy about Hark the Herald Angels Sing, even though it's my favorite song. Yeah. It's just too fast. I think this song really draws you in with an invitation, but also there's like this urgency. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of feels like this song is like, we're going right now. Come, like come, we're, we're going right now. And it's like this yeah. deep urgency. Well, and there's a command to the angels to worship, which right. is really kind of unique in the passage, mm-hmm. you know, of the singer because I mean, in the birth narrative, it's the angels kind of yeah. commanding the people to go and worship. But here, it flips it. It's the yeah. people commanding the angels yeah. to sing, which which is just which is just great. Yeah, yeah. I actually going back to what you said there, Sean, about kind of there being this pace to the song. Mm-hmm. What I love is that um, it actually kind of um, mimics a lot of our our modern day worship songs in that there's a chorus. A lot of these hmm. these old hymns don't have a chorus. They kind of run this, through, right? Um, those that would be called full verse is what they call that. Okay, but this, we're learning. <laughs> hey, worship pastor, good to have you on the podcast. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this so this song it has that. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Yeah. Um, and what I love about it is that you've got these these this um, not just theological language, 
but actually historical language. Yeah. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, you're putting yourself in this moment of Christ being born in Bethlehem. Oh, come ye to Bethlehem, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just theological language. It's also historical language. Yeah. And yet somehow they turn all of this, this picture that is growing in your mind through the verses into a, a chorus refrain, into a response. Mm-hmm. And that response is, let's adore him. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I also think that there's historical language, like theological historical language. We don't ever really sing that like second or third verse. God from true God and light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth he comes, only begotten son of the father. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's all language from the Nicene Creed. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. it's time to add that verse. So, like a verse we don't normally sing in this song, and the original, I don't even know it. Yeah. The, yeah, the original song is eight verses, and they they succinct it down to four, and we really only sing three of them, maybe mm-hmm. four if you consider like the refrain. But that verse in particular, the one I just read, is like language lifted directly from the Nicene Creed. So not only are the authors of this hymn trying to get you this theological historical language, they're also like teaching you doctrine. Yeah. via this song, which I think is pretty remarkable. And we relegate it to like, you know, depending on who you are, 25, 35, 40 days a year. Mm-hmm. This song that is actually so rich and so universally inviting. Mm-hmm. Michael, what does this song, what, what, what comes to mind uh, when, when you hear this Christmas song or what, what emotions are brought up when you hear this song? Oh man, I think because it lives, it, 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 you're right. It, it's such a great song. And yet it only lives within this like one to two month span every year um i feel like i'm always super happy when this song comes around this is actually my favorite christmas song oh good yeah this is my favorite one um probably because it it really does fit that that worship modern day worship prayer model that Mm -hmm. we see in most uh, worship songs but um yeah i i think what comes to mind is just i i guess i get really happy that i get to sing a a worship song in the Christmas season. Um, and, and it feels like it takes it from this, it takes the, the, the carol from this very chanty sing songy place. Right. Even as we were talking earlier, like we, we as a culture have come to, to think of Christmas songs and even carols as this kind of sing songy holiday thing we do. Mm -hmm. And so it takes this song takes it from that very colloquial place and it brings, uh, it brings in this very heartfelt worship that I think this season deserves mm-hmm. and, and needs. So, um, yeah, I just get stoked to be able to <laughs> sing this song. Sean, what about you? Yeah. What was the question? I was just drawn into Michael. Yeah, I was super, like, luckily keep I had going. it in front of me. Um, what emotions come to come up or what comes to Dude, mind? Well, I, it's funny. I, I with most of these Christmas songs, I feel the emotion in every one of them. Just because we don't get to sing them, very yeah, often, right? Yeah. Like, I really do. It is, um, it just they always hit me. So, like, especially with "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," "Hark," uh, "O Come, All You Faithful." I think those are just really powerful. So mm-hmm. I, I love them, and this one means a lot. It does specifically, you know, for this song. If we look at like worship songs as like prayers, yeah. What what part of this song do you connect with the most? Like, which lyric or which point do you connect yeah. with the most? Yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier. It is that uh, "Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning." I mean, it's just. I find I usually get an emotional response whenever I get to talk about Jesus. My, my wife will tell you about that. Um, 
but just getting to proclaim that the birth of Christ is a happy one for some reason that is something that describes me there you know yeah that's that's that verse is the one that that moves me the most the birth of Christ is happy that's a yeah. funny that's a thing I think you, you so much of the Christmas narrative is there's like this tumultuous anxiety yeah they had to run there was mm-hmm. the census there's no place to go he was born in a manger but I love that kind of counterpoint well and I think we talk a lot when we talk about our salvation it is um you know, there's a seriousness of our sin. There's the reverence of Jesus' death. There's a sense of love uh, we have towards him and he has for us. Um, but we don't use the word happy very often, right? We'll use the word joy, but we don't use the word happy very often in Christianity. But to proclaim the birth of Christ as being a happy occurrence. Mm. It, you don't see that phrasing. And so I think it strikes me different. And I can't, Whenever I sing, I can't help but think yes. I am happy due to the birth of Christ. He brings incredible happiness into my life. This is a happy day. And so yeah. that moves me. Yeah. Yeah. From as like a, a kind of a prayer, what you were just saying, like the words as a prayer, what I love about this song is the progression. What, oh, what yeah, you yeah, see yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. from the beginning, you've got this, oh, come, right? It's mm-hmm. this yeah. this invitation to come to Bethlehem and see the birth of our king. And then you, you see this um, uh, God from true God, light from true from light eternal, born of a virgin, to the earth he comes, only begotten Son of God the Father. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of statement of what's happening, right? Yeah. And then you've got seeing choirs of angels. So it's this now it's it's this, okay, I've now I've seen. Now I'm commanding the angels to sing. Now let's kind of let's get a whole choir going right now. Mm-hmm. And then you finally have this, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. And then here's what I love: the final three portions. So the whole time you've been singing as a chorus, you've been singing this, Oh come, let us adore mm-hmm. him. And then you move to we give you all the glory, yeah. Um, which I think is this like it's this I've seen and now I'm responding yeah. with giving you glory. And then the last one is the future looking like we said we'll praise his name forever. Mm-hmm. So I I just love this when you look at the song as a whole, you see this progressive prayer that's taking you through this journey of first being invited and then all the way to the end of I'm going to be invited forever. Mm-hmm. So. I just love the, the the prayerful progression of the song. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. I, th- I think that we so look at these songs as like things we sing once a year, and there's kind of like a very joyful kind of like, oh, this is a novelty almost. Like, oh, we're singing Christmas songs. This is great. But if we did start looking at these songs like prayers, you know, what would that do to our sense of awe and wonder in this season? You know, I think that's a really good invitation. I think at Coastline, you know, we, we saw this this past weekend when we did the candle lighting. Mm-hmm. Something that we, if you've come from our past ministry context, is, you know, something that a family comes up and does, and it, it's, a, it's a meaningful moment, but it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and this story is for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and this happiness and this joy is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not a novelty. It's not just something we sing about once a year. This is this for everybody. And I think that these songs really nail that. I think one of the challenges in the Christmas season with these songs is when when you have words like "Oh, come to Bethlehem," right? <laughs> yeah. We're like, wait, really? Like, you want me to get in a plane and <laughs> make mm-hmm. my way to Bethlehem? Is that what we're gonna do right now? And the answer is yes. And the answer is yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I think you have a lot of this this kind of um, even "Oh, come, Emmanuel," right? You're mm-hmm. you're almost putting yourself in this place of um, anticipatory waiting for Christ. Yet all of us who are Christians know. Christ has already come. 
And so I think w- where the challenge is for the, for the modern day worshiper in the Christmas season is to say there's two things that are going on here. One is that we are trying to put ourselves in just bl- the blanketed place of humanity, not, not, yeah. not in a, necessarily a, a time and in, in place, but just as man, right? Th- um, and remembering what the, the Israelites were feeling when they were longing for a Messiah to come. Because when we can put ourselves there, it really can help us to, to find joy in his birth. Um, and mm. so you're doing that. You're kind of putting yourself in the place of the Israelites and trying to, I don't know, empathize, I guess, with where they, where they were, while also proclaiming something about the second coming. Because we also are still in a waiting period. Yeah. And so you're doing two things. You're putting yourself in, in the past, but you're also looking towards the future in the Christmas season. And I think it can be hard for worshipers to, to sing words like, oh, come to Bethlehem, when it's like, I'm not really going to do that. <laughs> it, it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is, is just remembering that part of the goal of this season is to place ourselves in the past and feel what the Israelites were feeling. Good job, Michael. That was great. Yeah. And I think like if worship isn't challenging you, you know, there's something to be said about your own heart. And if you're not willing to engage with the challenge of like, adoration or like putting yourself in history and like saying this is your story as well Mm. then like you know that says something about you like christmas can be a very confronting season for people and i think that's often why we do run towards like the gifts and the traditions and the lights and the you know because it is like i actually have to reckon with the fact that like this historical event of christ being born doesn't resonate with my heart Mm. or it's not doing something to me and so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go find kind of like what you were saying this was this Sunday, Sean, like I'm going to go find it somewhere else in this season. When in reality, like the incarnation, the birth of Christ is so much more joyful and so much more life giving than anything we can receive or get in this season from anything else. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like to be like Scroogey. Don't listen to Mariah Carey, but why are you listening to Mariah Carey? <laughs> That's the question I guess I would ask. Yeah. No, cause it's a, I mean, because it's a great song and because it's fun because the season's fun. Yeah. It's um, I think it's easy, though, to get caught up in all of that and not really think too much about Jesus until Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And it's like right in front of you. Yeah. Um, because then we're singing these songs like entirely. Um, we've kind of let the other songs go. That evening is all of these songs. Um, and suddenly Christmas is right there. So mm-hmm. I think it's just it's easy to lose the yeah. true meaning of Christmas yeah. amidst all of the other wonderful parts of it. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think about um, how, as Christians, Easter is so present for us. We can we can feel the effects of Easter in our daily lives. We can look at Easter and think, "Man, there's a I I know why this is important for me." Christmas, I think we all feel we love it <laughs> because it, everyone's happier in Christmas. You know, it's mm-hmm. we're gonna get some gifts. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have family together. I mean, it and it's and the whole world around us changes in christmas time. It doesn't so much do that in easter time, but it does That's interesting. Do that in, in christmas. That's really interesting. What I'm wondering um to hear from you guys is how because I I, I guess I know that christmas is the start of easter, right? Like mm-hmm. we we don't get to easter without christmas. But how is is christmas uniquely profound to you guys? Separate not not separated, but I guess um in conjunction with easter. Like Easter is great. We can all see that. But why should we as a church be really excited for Christmas? Hmm. Well, I mean, the answer just feels almost obvious to me, right? Like, I think it's it's the idea of Christ, of God taking on human flesh. 
And just, again, when you think of salvation history, Michael, I mean, think about it. It's like it goes from garden of God walking intimately with us to Abraham on this mysterious journey to wherever God will mm-hmm. take him. Exodus of God kind of breaking in and freeing his people, the complication of their relationship with him. Israel's a sovereign Like, it's just Israel's a sovereign nation falling away from him, prophets coming, prophets being killed. It's such a tumultuous journey that where God's constantly asking us to meet him kind of halfway, right? Like, if I do this, then you do that. And at Christmas, it is God just going all the way. He's like, no, no, no I'm going to actually take on human flesh. I'm going to live and die. I'm going to bear all of your sins on the cross. It's the start of that story. We're moving into Easter now, but it's the start of God moving all the way, of beginning all of the actions so that we can be saved by faith, justified by faith, not mm-hmm. by work. So it's the beginning of that, uh, of God going, I got this. <laughs> I'm going to do this now for you because you clearly can't do it on your own. So it starts there. And I think that's something that we should, that for me is always like, man, that is just, it's so huge. God takes on human flesh. Yes. And what I, I feel like you, you're hitting on there is we know that it's profound that Christ died during Easter. Yeah. That's profound. He gave mm-hmm. his life for us. How prof- I, I, Can anything mm-hmm. be more profound? Right. right. But I don't know that we always can, can identify and feel the profundity is that a word? I think it is. I don't know. The profoundness, <laughs> profundity of God putting himself into flesh. Mm-hmm. What what happened there? How profound that really was. In fact, how shocking it might have been to an Israel um, audience for for even Jesus to claim that he was God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, they, the idea that... They the, killed him for it. Exactly. <laughs> and the idea that the glory of God... The, and I don't even know if our brains can comprehend what's happening. The glory of God, all of the the profoundness of his amazing glory being put into a small human baby, how profound that is for us as human, as humans. Yeah. And what that means for even our relatability with God. And I just look at the early church heresies. Most of them are about, did God really take on mm. human flesh? Yeah. How much human flesh did he take on? Because... It's one it side was, or the other. Like, yeah, he was, was all God or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's even scandalous to say, like, hey, that that's fully God that's totally encased in human flesh. It was something that they just couldn't get their heads around. And it was, all... It was too... It's too much. And all these creeds and all of these doctrinal statements we have were all written for heresy. Yeah. Like the Nicene Creed, which has inspired this song. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm literally bringing it, back bringing it full circle, but also, Let's like, a moment to say, like, this song and other great worship songs can help you combat heresy hmm. which is really fascinating it's good like you can you can be like man i'm really struggling with the doctrine of incarnation mm-hmm. and then you think about this song You're and like, that's oh, how i mean think about the song is written when hunter the song was 16? written 1751 is the earliest version we have dated a gentleman named john francis wade wrote it in latin and it was translated 1841 a uh, catholic priest named frederick oakley Ye yeah. faithful approach ye, but then it got changed. There's a history of this. And this is the way the church has traditionally used worship, which is to teach doctrine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's um, great. It's to help people learn a song, and by learning a song, either they're memorizing scripture or they're learning doctrine. And so with that, let me ask the last question then. Um, speaking of like learning and you know invitation and things like that, how can this song in particular draw us deeper into the reality of Christmas? And we, and we, I, we don't need to discuss the reality of Christmas. I think we've discussed it at length on this podcast, but how can this song draw us deeper into that? Uh, I would say, you know, the opening two lines would probably be something that we could hmm. step into. Oh, come all ye faithful to Bethlehem, you know? 
And I think that as we begin this Christmas season, for those of you who are faithfully proclaiming Christ and know him, come to Bethlehem now. You know, come to the Christmas season. Come yeah, yeah. to the manger and step right into the season right now. Don't let this be something that sneaks up on you. Today, come to Bethlehem and worship. Come and behold Christ again, born in front of us. Yeah. Michael, what about you? Yeah, so part of the reality of this song, which we haven't really talked about much yet, is is that the, um, this song is actually co-written. It's not just not just one author. We have we we know for a fact that there's been at least three, if yeah. not more, authors. over time. Yeah, there was a, a Portuguese hymn, King John the Fourth of Portugal, John Francis Way, John Rating, some um, anonymous monks as well. So yeah, this is a traditional song that people have like taken and kind of skewed and made different. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Which I think leads me to to my answer, which is I think that um, this song, when it talks about "O come all ye faithful," oh. it's all the faithful, right? It's not just this is not just a song for kind of a, a single moment in time. This is a song for all the saints, and I think you see it it co-written throughout the years. I what I what I feel as a as a songwriter is how hard it can be to co-write sometimes when you just want your your art to be yours, right? And yet what you see, this song is in the public domain now. It has been co-written and co-written and co-written to the point that this is not even one person's song anymore. This is our song as the, as the faithful. And so I think this story, this kind of how we, how we engage in this um, season is collectively. It's, it's, this is our moment to collectively come to, the, to the, come to Bethlehem and see the birth of the incarnation. So I, I just think it's a communal. It's a call to, call to the communal. Well, if that wasn't a mic drop. Man, I'm just so glad I got to sit here and just set Michael up again and again go, go, Michael, go. It's so good. Well, the good news is that Michael will be on all of these for music, so it's great. Guys, thanks so much uh, for jumping in, and I hope you guys are excited for the next episodes. It's going to be great. Merry Christmas, Hunter. Merry Christmas, Sean. Merry Christmas, Michael. Merry Christmas, guys. See you guys uh, next week and every Christmas after that. Bye.